Hey guys, thanks for joining us as we continue in our study talking about what it really means to be and become men of God. Men who represent God in our world, God's ambassadors to our world. In our last session, we talked about being godly, becoming godly, what it means to be a godly man, and we talked about a godly character. We're going to go on and talk about uh, extending that, what it means to live a godly lifestyle. And let me remind you, your group leader will give you several verses of Scripture, passages out of 1 Timothy that are really important to our study. We're not going to take time to read all those verses, but your group leader will give you those verses. Be sure and read those verses slowly. Think about them and how they apply to your life. And Doug's going to take the lead in this session. He's going to talk about a godly lifestyle. He's going to share some very important principles about living that godly lifestyle. Well, thanks, Gary. And one of the things that I think about as we get into this discussion here is um, is the aspect of fitness training. And, and you always see, you know, pain is weakness coming out of your body. You see all these phrases, but the one that everybody always seems to know about is um, pain leads to gain. It says no pain, no gain. Uh, we're talking here about the concept of becoming something. You're trying to become something at the gym, but, you know, which is a whole nother discussion. But when it comes to our Christian lifestyle, what are we becoming to that point? And one of the things we'll be talking about that is that becoming is kind of hard work. It kind of really is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there are benefits to the, the effort and what it, you put into it through that hard work to become what God wants you to be. I've got five things we're going to talk about here on this session here, and I'm going to burn through them, guys. Um, what Gary's talking about here with regard to reading the verses and things like that, that's extremely important. We're just going to introduce these concepts to you for the sake of this session. But there are five things here, the first of which is the godly man is striving to become a praying man. You're always going to see that same phrase all the way through. The godly man is striving, in this case, to become a praying man. And Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he's talking about exhorting that that supplications and prayers, intercessions, all those religious words. He's talking about prayer, guys, and he's exhorting, he's entreating, and the supplications and making requests. But what's interesting is who is for? He says, for all men. Then he goes into for kings and all who are in authority. And I think right now, as we look at our society and everything that's going on, being the same person we always were, what we became Christian, but we didn't change, we haven't become more. Being that same person that we always were means our prayers tend to sound like, God, go get them. God, they're terrible. They're terrible. God, we got to get rid of them. God, all those kinds of things, you know? Yep. And so, but with becoming a praying man, what Paul's talking about here with the treaties and requests and prayers and intercessions for these people, becoming more means, God, save them. God, influence them. God, get their attention. God, make sure they do what you want them to do. The godly lifestyle is evident when we're becoming men that talk about people the way God thinks about them. Did you hear that? Yeah. When we are learning to pray in such a way that, that when we talk about those people we may disagree with, we're doing it in a way the way God thinks about them. How does God think about them? Well, he died for them. And so that's that's the goal of our prayer life. Yeah, Gary? yeah you know, and I, I think for a lot of men, we struggle with the idea of prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. And most of our prayer life is consumed with, God, I need this. God, I need that. Forgive me of this. Forgive me of that. 
But Doug hit it on the head. A part of our prayer life needs to mature to the point where we're talking to God about the people we deal with in life. When we're struggling with people, we need to be talking to God about it. The next thing that we're looking at real quickly here is the godly man is striving, which again, there's that hard work, to become a mature man. Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, don't let them despise your youth. Don't let them look down on you because of your youth. Don't give them reasons, Timothy, to look at you and discount what you're doing, because if you give them those reasons to discount you, they will discount the gospel at well. He says, instead, be an example. In the process of that example, he says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. You make sure your progress in that gift is evident to all. If we're going to be the same, we're, it's, we're, we're gonna, it's like sand. You know, there's the, you know, you've seen or read the story about, you know, building the, the house on the rock versus the sand. Sand is that fun stuff at the beach, but you don't want to put a foundation on it because when the storms come and all those things happen, you don't stand up to it. But the godly man that becomes a, a, a mature man has his, his house on the rock. That even when the storms come, you're able to keep that house standing. And that's the, that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Let them see that in you. Yeah. Let them see that what, what's coming your way, good or bad, especially bad, when it's coming your way, let them see that you stand, that, that it doesn't knock you down. And the reason it does knock you down because you are exercising what God has wired you to do in such a way that it honors God. And that's an example to them as that example that godly life becomes evident. The lesson basically here is the godly lifestyle is evident when we are becoming men that make mature choices regardless of our age. I've, I've seen guys in business and, and just in life that may have 30 years of experience, but then there's the ones who have 30 years of experience, you know, one year of experience 30 times. They haven't learned to make those mature choices. And Paul is telling us, Part of our job in our lifestyle as guys is to grow up and be a mature man and be that example regardless of your age. Yeah. And, you know, I think in, in Timothy's life, being a young man at this time, Paul's writing to him, giving him instructions. And one of the things he's saying is, Timothy, you can grow. You can mature. God's put gifts in your life. You've got to grow into those. And I think sometimes as men, we think, well, someday I will become. You know, God's put gifts in you. You need to make a determination. I'm going to grow into that. Here's what I've learned. As you mature spiritually, it begins to affect every other area of your life, and it creates maturity in other areas of your life. Yeah, one of my favorite sayings is, every discipline affects every other discipline. Yep. If you learn how to have the discipline to practice piano, it's going to help you with your, your discipline to do business. It all affects everything else. Yep. But here's a hard one, guys, the third one. The godly man is striving to become a respectful man. To me, this is almost as hard as becoming a prayer, prayerful man. Um, Paul, Paul is saying to Timothy at this point, do not rebuke, don't chastise an older man, exhort or entreat, beg, beseech that, as, as you would a father or as you would brother. He goes on, the, all the people around Timothy says, he says, treat them with respect. Even your masters, even your bosses, whether they deserve it or not, treat them with respect. You, if we're going to say the saying... We're going to treat people the way we see them, <laughs> and also based on how they treat us, right? Let me be honest. Somebody's going to be disrespectful to you. It's really easy to just give that right back to them because, you know what, they deserve it, of course. <laughs> Paul says, no, when you're becoming more, you're becoming more, you learn to treat them as God sees them yeah. and how God treats them. That's harder to see. Once again, 
it's it's hard work. And I right now, as we're talking through this, guys, I know many of you are thinking, I'm not that right now. Well, of course not. <laughs> we're all becoming these things. And so what we're trying to encourage you to do at this point is to aspire to this level of things. That's Paul was doing that with Timothy and the same thing for us. But it comes to how we treat others with respect. The godly lifestyle is evident when we are becoming men that treat everyone around us with respect. And here's the hard part, even if they don't deserve it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maturing, growing in Christ in any area, it, it, it's this journey where we're learning along the way and we're overcoming our old nature. And some of us really struggle with this area. But here's one thing I've learned in life, and you hit on it, Doug. If you want respect, you got to sow respect. If you'll sow it, you'll reap it. Whether it's your marriage, with your children, with your boss, with coworkers, with whoever it is you're dealing with in life, if you'll sow respect, you're going to reap respect. That's so good, Gary. That is, and um, it is, it's, it's, it's hard work, but there are benefits. <laughs> there are. There are. The fourth thing here, guys, is the godly man is striving to become a content man. This is awesome. Um, Paul's talking about to Timothy about this, and he says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. And he goes on to talk about, you didn't bring anything to the world, and you're not going to take anything out of the world. But we need to learn, once again, this is a learning process to be content. You know, sometimes, and he's, I even talked about this, we desire to be rich. We go, we, we talked about the, the first session about you have your ladder, you climb the ladder the entire time of your life, only to find out it's up against the wrong wall. All those kinds of mindsets. And Paul is saying, take a deep breath. Learn to be content regardless of the situation around you, regardless of your circumstances. If we're going to stay the same, we're going to be discontented repeatedly. We're always going to be disappointed. It's never going to be what we wish it could be. I mean, the question is, how much is enough? And most folks say, well, it's just a little more. <laughs> it's just a little more. Yeah. <laughs> but becoming more means I'm good no matter what. Paul even talks about he could do anything through Christ to strengthen him in the context of lack or abundance. You see, his contentment is his peace. It's that idea that no matter what's going on in my life, I'm good because God's got it. The godly lifestyle is evident when regardless of our circumstances, we are truly becoming content. You know, contentment is an interesting word because uh, we live in an age of instant gratification. I got to have it right now. I got to get it right now. However I have to do it, I'm going to get it right now. The problem is God puts things in our hearts. He puts promises in our hearts. He puts dreams and visions in our heart. And we begin to pursue those things. But we have to maintain that godly perspective of saying, I'm going to be content in this process. Because contentment is not giving up on godly pursuits. It's understanding where we are in the process of those pursuits and realizing, hey, I'm reaching for more, but here's where I am. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to get upset and angry. I'm going to keep trusting God moving forward. One of the things that Pastor Gary says quite often about the lottery is that, you know, so many folks get involved in the lottery because they don't want to have to trust God anymore. They feel like they're going to be content as they've got all the money in the world. And yet when you look at how many of the winners of the lotteries have not found that contentment. No. You know, it's a... It, 
those circumstances never provide that. How many of you guys right now sitting around the tables or the living rooms, whatever else right now, as you're watching this, can think of examples that you thought, well, if I just, and then you got it, and it just wasn't what you thought it would be. Yeah. The godly man is striving to become a contentment. Yeah, and, it's, and he says in there that, that godliness with contentment is great gain. It's great life when you're godly and content, reaching for more, but being happy with where you are in your process. That's perfect. Okay, the last one. Um, godly man is striving to become a generous man. Uh, Paul's talking about this a lot and throughout the letters he wrote, but he's talking about right this. He kind of directs the discussion in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy towards those who are rich. Now, that definition of rich, it, it's kind of a relative term. I mean, right now, just about everybody in America is rich compared to most people in the world. Yep. But then compared to each other, even here in the United States, it's a, you know, I'm, so I'm going to let you define rich, whatever you think that is. Regardless of the definition of that word, he says, do not be haughty. Don't, 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 don't parade it around. Don't, don't look at this as that because I have all of this, I don't need to trust God. I can trust in those riches. Paul's saying, no, trust in the living God because he's the one who gives us all things to enjoy. And he says the word richly in there. Now you tie that back to contentment. That's the gain he's talking about. Regardless of our financial situation, we can be content. That's what God is giving us. He's giving us the things to enjoy. What we need to do with that, with what we have richly, is to do good. Be ready to give. Be willing to share. Now, if we're going to stay the same and not grow up in Christ, we're probably going to stay kind of stingy. Now, we're talking about money right now. But it could also be in with your emotions. It could be with your marriage. It could be with your... with with um, your status, there's a lot of things that you have more of that maybe someone else doesn't have. And rather than share that with them, make them like, say, say you're real popular or, you're, or whatever else, and there's someone else in your work group or on a team, whatever else that isn't so much that way. Rather than make them feel as part of that ex- experience, you lord over the fact that they're not important because you're so important. I mean, I'm exaggerating to make a point, guys. That is, in every area of our life where we have more than others, we can be stingy with that. Or if we're becoming more, we can share it and bring others into the abundance that God has brought us into. Yeah. And if you read these verses, and you will, I know, because you're committed to this process. If you read these verses, Paul tells Timothy, command them to be careful with these things. And it's interesting when he speaks those words, command, it's like, hey, let me give you some warnings. And one of the things that God taught me years ago that I've tried to live with is we need to learn to go through life with an open hand because we tend to live this way with our fists clenched, trying to hold on to what we've got. I got to hang on to this because there's no future if I don't. Let me tell you something. Jesus taught us to pray for daily bread. God will provide for us if we'll trust him. So we need to learn to live with open hands, being a blessing to people, being a blessing to God's house and God's kingdom, not being stingy. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're stingy, your wife will tell you, your kids will tell you, people around you will tell you. If they tell you you're stingy, you need to loosen up and open up your hands and share what God's given you. And it's all because the godly lifestyle is evident when we're becoming generous with what we have. So let me just recap real quick those five things. First of all, the the godly life is evident when we are becoming men that talk about people the way 
God thinks about them. Talk about that in your group. Number two, the godly lifestyle is evident when we are becoming men that make mature choices regardless of our age. Number three, the godly lifestyle is evident when we are becoming men that treat everyone around us with respect, whether they deserve it or not. Ouch. Number four, the godly lifestyle is evident when regardless of our circumstances, we're becoming truly content. And then finally, the godly lifestyle is evident when we are becoming generous with what we have. Yeah. So we've talked about these five things that are a part of a godly lifestyle. We're going to kick it back to your group leader. Talk about those things right now. 